Hello and what? Are you good? Yeah, I've just drunk a uh, one and a half, two litre bottle. Oh, so... right. flipping it. You might need a pee break. Two each day. Sorry. Just okay. Stomach back in place. Go on, sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 61 of As Yet Untitled. I'm Rob. And I'm Chris. Uh, what was that face for? <laughs> I'm with Rob. If you might be able to tell, we're recording this through Zoom because um, I'm ill. Um, and Chris, obviously Chris was at home. Um, I didn't want to infect him with my flu-like symptoms. So um, right, I've still got mine, so we're both dicky. Yeah, exactly. So um, it may sound a little may sound a little different as um, as it normally does. Obviously, you've heard Warcraft and you've heard Gargoyles were the ones that we've done recently together. Um, obviously, they're not always done by Zoom, but sometimes they are. And sometimes we try and make the best out of a bad situation. So, um, you know. I'll be hooked. Yes. So, you know, it is what it is. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm really excited for this one. Uh, I'm not sure if you are. Are you talking to the audience or to me there? Uh, you, really. Uh, I mean, the audience, yeah. I, feel, I hope they're excited. Oh, I really know. Well, I'm excited because I actually enjoyed the film. It's a rarity for me. That is, I mean, so obviously this is part one, by the way, of our Halloween series. Um, we're in a month of October. Uh, I felt like if there was ever a perfect time to have this film on our podcast series, it's, it's this month. Yeah. Um, uh, although, I feel like I made a little blunder. Um, oh? So, I remember watching this film, and I know it being about Halloween. Obviously, not the spirit of Halloween, like trick-or-treating and all that stuff. Um, but, obviously, it being based on October 30th. Yeah. Um, or yeah, October thirtieth. Obviously, Devil's Night, as they call it in the film. I was like, oh, we should have released this on the thirtieth of October. However, I felt like this is a great one to start with, and I didn't want to do this one at the end because we can go on to a, a scarier one for thirty first October oh, Halloween. Great. More scary movies, you know. So I just felt like maybe is it a blunder or is I don't know. I I, feel... no, it's, I think it's fine. But yeah, I mean, other, other than that, it, I wanted to release it on the day that it would have been released, ideally, as we normally do on the pod for them sort of things. But I just thought if there's a way to start Halloween, it, it, this film is a fantastic start. Um, so yeah, part one of our Halloween series. Uh, you've already said you've enjoyed it. So before we get into it, obviously, the film we watched, as you can see by the title, is The Crow. Um, Chris, it's your first time watching it, right? Yeah, it is. I've, Which, you know, you know, I've seen clips and bits thanks to youtube sport it's all for clips of movies yeah but yeah this is the first time i ever sat down and watched the movie all the way through okay um before i get your first full reaction there's a couple of ways you can support the podcast so if you, you do <laughs> I, I shall tell um <laughs> so if you click in our link description below there is a Kofi link on there that takes you to every single place where you can find us as as yet untitled or ayu as it is as well um so follow us on twitter and all our social medias Obviously, we keep them updated on a regular basis of what we're doing. Chris, did you know that yesterday, I'll say as recording, I don't like to date the podcast. As of yesterday, so people can guess when that was, because they'll follow us on Twitter. Uh, we hit 15,000 downloads. Um, so, which blows my mind, by the way. Um, it's amazing. It just shows how much people actually really like us blathering on about bloody nonsense for an hour or so. Yeah, and I think sometimes we listen back and I'm like, we just went on tangents. We didn't really talk about the film. Hey, uh, one of the one of the films we did not long ago. I think that exactly because I look back on that thing. <laughs> we didn't speak about ninety eight percent of what I wrote down. 
we barely mentioned like half the characters. Yeah, but that's that's Addy's podcast work, and people seem to enjoy it clearly. Um, so yeah, not not going to mess with what works. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, so we're, don't fix something that isn't broken. Is that right? Yeah, is that, let's is go. That with the that. Same? Yeah, I, it kind of will get there. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> follow us on all those social media things, uh, platforms. Um, if wherever you download or listen to his podcast, please make sure you've subscribed so you can come back and get to hear our lovely voices waffle on about a film for another 60 minutes and go on more tangents, which clearly you enjoy. Um, that's it, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right. So, initial reaction. What did you think? One second. Laptops decided to say, no, I don't want to work right now. Personal first impressions. I really liked it. it was really, because you know, you know the kind of person I am. I'm, I'm into all the dark and like, the gothicy kind of stuff. And it re- even opening, it was a bit cheesy with the, the fire on the the buildings because you could see the fire wasn't meant to be there. The buildings look like they're paper models for a while. Mm-hmm. It was it was cheesy, but good cheesy. Yeah, do you know? So I've seen this countless amounts of times. Like I can't remember how many times I've seen this. This is um. When we make lists or when we discuss, ah, oh, like our favorite top 10 films or our favorite films of this month or something like that, you know, them sort of films. That The Crow, The Lost Boys, they're up there. Like, it's those sort of films that are up there for me. Um, this one, though, is so good. And do you know what I like about it? No, before, you before we, like, dissect more of it. So this is... Obviously, it's a comic book and graphic novel, right? Which yeah. went which went to film. Now, in the past, we've we've done Spawn. That was a bad. That wasn't a bad interpretation of how it looked. We enjoyed that. That was way back in like a couple three years ago. We done that, oh, and, we said, and we said it was gritty, but it, it had that right amount of grit for the kind of type of film it was. Yeah, I feel I like the crow. The Crow does the exact same thing and it doesn't beat around from too much over the top of superhero films we get now. It's so 90s and so grainy and gritty and grungy that it, it just gives this film so much more. Yeah, I'm agreeing like, with you. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's just one of those. Like, I, I don't know, but I, I just love it for that fact. It's just, it's gritty, grainy. It's just old. It's, it's just like the film itself, what the environment and the way it's done is broken. Which is exactly what Eric is going through. He's been broken. Yeah, he's from what, from what he, the way he acts when he first um, re, re reemerges. Yeah, he's like he's he's a shattered soul. He's trying to fix the pieces of himself. Mm-hmm. He does, he knows that he's lost some. He knows who he's lost. Yeah, it's only when he touches the policeman's head and gets the memories. At that moment, he seems seems more human, but so much more vulnerable at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's like as you said, it's two two pieces. Um. Two pieces of, of like he's trying to puzzle himself back together. Obviously, he doesn't know he knows he's dead. Um, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Like, cause the way he comes, like he comes back. But yeah, one second. He has to push himself out of his own grave. Yeah. That is messed up. Mm-hmm. He's, he woke up inside his coffin. The the fear of being resurrected, one thing, but waking up inside your own coffin, trying to push your way out. That's horrific. Yeah. It is awful. Um, we see that as well in Buffy. Um, yeah, and she was traumatized by it as yeah, well. She was. They know. Obviously, they done. Then they went on to do the the musical version once more. Feeling when she like she said she was in heaven and all that sort of stuff. Um, obviously, I, I, 
No, I I just you know what? So the idea of the crow itself, the actual crow, um, Sarah. Um, do you like the fact that Sarah does the voiceover as well for this? It's like half Sarah and half Eric. Yeah, first of all, because I didn't I, I didn't know who, she, who the voiceover was. I was thinking like, why have they got the little girl to do a voiceover? So as a little bit of a creep factor. That's what I thought at the beginning. Yeah, but it's only when I've learnt that who she is and her connection to uh, Eric and Shelley. Shelley, I knew it was Shelley. Eric, Eric and Shelley. Yeah, that I just thought, okay, yeah, that makes sense because she's in part of their lives and they're a part of hers. Yeah, they kind of obviously you find out more about and what Sarah's life kind of throughout this as well as everyone else's that's involved in the, the year prior, right? But Eric and Shelley basically look after Sarah because Sarah's yeah, for all of purpose, they adopted her. Yeah, yeah, like without the papers, basically, you know. Yeah. Um, they were her carers. It just shows family is more. It doesn't have to be blood. It can be people who you choose. Yeah, exactly. And I think, obviously, Sarah taking a loss because right at the beginning, obviously, um, the policeman says like your sister's going to be taken to the hospital or something, and Sarah says that's not my sister. But I put, but the way she looked at it was like it kind of felt like a line was missing of that's my mum. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the like way different pools there, they could have added that in. Yeah, but I'll, the fact that the pause is there, I think, kind of adds to the fact that maybe she she doesn't know how to feel. Obviously, she went through that, and obviously, a year later, we get Eric back. Yeah, but think about it. She's we'll find we speak later about her relationship to her mother. So she's never had a true mother figure. No. So she does. She wouldn't know what to say like that's my mother because to her, a mother is someone who isn't that good to her. Basically, neglects her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly that. So she gets her her care from Eric and Shelley, um, who die. I don't know what the time frame is. I don't know if it was set in the year of nineteen ninety four, so they died in ninety three kind of thing. Um but if it's the year beforehand, I'd imagine it would be ninety three. It would ninety four do you know what I mean? Obviously this was released for ninety four. So I don't know if that's how they planned it for the year. Um but regardless the way they've set it is great because it's I had, sometimes you know when you hate that oh, a year later this happens blah 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 yeah but but at least it gives the the characters a chance to evolve a little yeah but we don't see the the involvement until the year later when everything changes and I think yeah. that's great um oh, sorry this really annoyed me right I know the entire area is supposed to be really downtrodden and like, there's nothing they can do it's all like very dark and miserable yeah. There, there wouldn't still be police tape on their door a year later. I think, I guess, I guess yeah. so. But the guy wants money. He would have put someone else in that apartment. He would I... have put someone in that apartment. Unless the police have got it closed off. Obviously, it's a murder oh, investigation. Yeah. I don't know because it's a dead end. They've, they're not even doing it anymore. I don't know. I mean, maybe that just shows that it's just it's just that abandoned. Like they wanted them out. Purely because they they could, because I mean they did. Their reason was what for getting them out of the house or get out out of the flat. He just wanted to get people out of there. He didn't really. I don't think he ever gave a true reason as to why. So he may have just wanted to clear it, so then they could use it for something else. Oh, that's true enough, I suppose. Warehouse you know, for illicit, illicit goods or something. Probably. I mean, judging by what they do later on in the film, it they could have been you know drug trafficking or whatnot in in there. You know. Um. But yeah, I I think more, it was more on a point of they just didn't want them there 
like the couple there, Eric and Shelley there, as opposed to worrying about the building because all of their stuff is still in the house, in the flat. Yeah, that was so weird. I'm, I'm pretty sure the police would have like boxed it up as evidence, the whole thing. I don't know. I, I don't know. But... but from what we saw of the police there, there's like five people working there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then I guess it, it's reference to how bad the city is when the police are broken. Like, they're, they're just there, you know, they, they just drive around and they police the city. They have no control of anything. It's literally the city is run by that gang and the police yeah. are there working. You know? He allows the police to exist. That's all it is. Basically. That's right. it probably, seems, anyway. Probably to clear up any, like, issues that he has. Like, if another gang comes in, he just points the police towards them. So you could make it look like you're doing something. Go clear up that gang. Mm. It could be. It really could be. And it does make sense that they would do that, obviously, having the police in his pocket. Um, or at least one or two of them to help that. I, um, I, I really think I suspected that, um, you know, the lieutenant, the, well, I've got, I've got a lieutenant Dick, one who's always a bit of a, <laughs> yeah, you know, what I'm talking about. He, I, I, I just, it just seemed a bit off the way he was acting about the fact that the cop was going through looking at the old murder. So I would suspect that he was working for the baddie. Yeah, it does. Exactly. It does feel like that. You do get that kind of, or there's a loose connection. There, there's, there's something there. Um, or bribed him. Probably. Um, again, with how battered and broken the city is, not a surprise. No one, yeah, exactly. They don't really care. Um, all right, so let's get on to. We spoke on Eric's arrival. Um, what is your thoughts on the crow being connected to Eric? So it they're kind of they're separate units, but they, it, at the same time they're one. What do you think of that? I think it's represent- representative of a symbiotic bonding. Mm-hmm. Two- beings working together for the betterment of both of them yeah eddie and venom style both separate but working together mm-hmm. it's great the crow, isn't it? well the, the whole thing about the crow is it's supposed to carry that's the myth they carry the souls of the dead to the afterlife yeah well he obviously didn't he didn't get get all the way there they brought him back after a year and the, the crow is still connected to him because it was there him it was that crow that carried his soul in the first place yeah yeah but they'd be stuck with eric until the duty's done so he can actually rest. Yeah. But I did like the fact that Eric sometimes sees through the bird's eye and right. hears what the bird can hear. Yeah. It's like long, di- long distance recon. Sleep to an animal and you can hear what it is. <laughs> I do. I love it. I absolutely love it. Especially when... Because Eric a... has no definable superpowers. He's not like a superhero. He's, he's, he's an avenging spirit. Yeah. I guess his only superhero, his superpower is, I guess, healing. Like he can just heal. Yeah. Because he's not, because he's not alive, so he can't be killed. It's well, obviously later on we find out about these connections to the crow. Yeah, but yeah, he's you can't kill the dead. No, you can't kill someone that's already dead. Literally, what he says, which fantastic, absolutely fantastic. I also love sometimes how Eric seems to go a little cuckoo when he's talking to people. Yeah, yeah. Later on, when he, he's trying to get the um, ring back, mm-hmm. he, at one point he's 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 talking to the. Uh, pawnbroker and i think this is after he stabbed him in the hand yeah and he goes you're not listening to me and he slipped himself upside down and hit him in the head so he's looking him upside down hits him in the head said you're not paying attention it's just it seems so bonkers yeah but at the same time do you, how else would he be like yeah, I, I, like I said he's, he's fractured yeah so this is this is him trying to trying to be eric 
but at the same time, as you said, he's broken. Like his there, his mental connection is is different to how it was. As you said, is is the soul that's been brought back. He dug himself. He pulled himself out of a grave. He's found out about what happened to almost his his fiance, almost his wife, um, and you know he's the stuff. Murder. Yeah, his own murder. Um, Can you wake up in a graveyard? Oh yeah, by the way, you were murdered. Your fiance was t- um, attacked, tortured, and um, I won't say anything else about what happened yeah, to her because yeah. it's a podcast. Um, but yeah, like, but that—that's what I like about the crow. Like, or at least Eric's rendition of how they've they made Eric in the crow. One minute he's there, then he's just—he's nuts, absolute, and then he's back to normal again. He's like, he just—he switches. Yeah, he's got a flitty little switch in his head. He goes from sane to not. He's not insane. He's but he's sane and then he's unbalanced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's probably the better word to say. But good unbalanced rather than like crazy psycho unbalanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously the idea is Eric comes back um, to avenge what happened to him the year before. Um, so basically he goes on a killing spree for all the people that killed him and Shelley. Um, yeah, one by one he takes the old gang down. Yes. So, so far, I, before we get into that, what do you think of the way it jumps straight into that? So for me, it's the film starts, right? We kind of get the story. It's weird how they've set it because the film starts sl- slowish for about five to ten minutes. And then all of a sudden we're like in the film. For the next hour and a half, the film's going. And there isn't a point where the film stops. There's not, do you know what I mean? There's like the middle section is kind of the slow bit. But by the time you get to the middle, you already know what's happened, what he's doing, why he's doing it and where he's going next. Like the yeah. whole plot is based that by the time you get to the middle, you know the story. You're just waiting for the ending. Do you like that style? I did. That means I could, very rarely I can sit, normally like if I'm watching a movie, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get into it. Then I'll just like full stop, go off and do something else. Even just like stretch, read a book. I've literally, I've literally stopped a movie halfway through, gone and read an entire book. Like a day later, I've come back and carried on watching the movie simply because the story is dragged to a point. It's so slow and so slow burning. You're thinking, all right, well, I've watched it. I might as well finish watching it now. But this one, they didn't give you a chance to do that. You actually had to, like you said, by halfway through, you knew what was happening. Yeah. Even though the halfway point is a bit slower, it's not slow, slow. It's, it's the calm before the storm, which I which really worked for me. Yeah, it's great. I, for me, it's my favorite. It's like the way they present it is great, purely for that reason. Like the minute your attention starts kind of dropping a little bit in the film, bang, it something else happens for you to then it's got your attention again. And then when it really slows down, that's that point where you go, okay, I, I can relax a bit. I can the story. You get a bit more of the story, and then the minute the story hits you it grabs your attention again in a completely different way. Um, a thing that I really love is the, the flashbacks, the way they do the flashbacks, which... It's like it's, his memory returning. Yeah, it, it's literally, it's like a, a flicker of memory in your head. Like, you remember something and it's gone. It's, and that traumatises him even more because he's got to remember it and then feel the pain of what's happened. Yeah, one of them, one of the notes I've got here is, after he rises, he goes back to his own home and... He has flashbacks as he can, as a choir starts singing in the background of all the things that are going in the house, and his yeah. apartment. And I've got one of them goes, one of my notes goes, 
he stays, but he still has the where he still has the wherewithal to light candles just before the mirror. <laughs> thinking, yeah. I know this is a lot of imagery in this film, but if you just crawled out your grave, you wouldn't, first thing wouldn't be to light candles on opposite sides of a what is basically an altar. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Um, what was that? Or something you'd do first crawling out of the grave? I know, I've got to light some candles. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's symbolic of something else. Oh, symbolism in this movie goes off the freaking charts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into that as well. I mean, <laughs> you messaged so me. So much. You messaged me and you was like, damn. <laughs> but I was like, all right. 20 minutes through the movie and there is so much symbolism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Um, so I want to, I don't want to drop the pod low. Right. Um, obviously, because we are enjoying it. It's, I like when we can talk about a film and it just feels like we're just, the energy's up. Um, are you aware of a scenario that happened in this film? Something that happened in real Oh, time? yes. That's my first note. The, the event. Yeah. Um, obviously, you need to, I feel like when you talk about this film, regardless of how great you can talk about the film is, it has to be brought up a little. Um, yeah. Which is, and they, they do... <laughs> Yeah, they do a um a thing for them at the end of the film for um Brandon and I think it's Elisa, I think the name was. Um Yeah, so Brandon Lee died in the making of this film. Um basically the idea was they used a specific bullet or they used something. Hang on, let me get the exact thing over. I don't want to misquote um, well, misfiring of the uh, fake bullet, wasn't it? Uh yeah, one sec. Let me just get this up. Yeah, I don't you like... get the information directly because it's fair that you know. I think I might watch this again actually because I'm just flicking through. I'm going to look at the end bit. <laughs> uh, that that scene where he goes to the cops, the former cop in his apartment, the guy's still wearing his hat. Right. And he gets he says to him, "You're still wearing your hat," and he quickly takes it off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. Right, go on. So, um, March thirty. 31st, 1993. So Lee was filming the scene with his character, Eric. He's shot after witnessing the, the beating of his fiance. Michael Messi's character, Fumble, fires a, a gun revolver at Lee as he walks in the room. A previous scene using the same gun had called for uh, inert dummy cartridges fitted with bullets, but with no powder or primer to be loaded in a revolver. For close-up scenes, they use a revolver where the bullets are clearly visible from the front and do not require the gun to actually be fired. Dummy cartridges provided a more realistic appearance than blank rounds with no bullet. Instead of purchasing commercial dummy cartridges, the film's prop crew, hampered by time constraints, created their own by pulling the bullets from live rounds and dumping the powder cartridges, then reinserting the bullet. In the fatal scene, which called for the revolver to actually be fired at Lee, from a distance of 12 to 15 feet, the dummy cartridges were exchanged for blank rounds, which features live powder, charge, and primer, but no bullet, thus allowing the gun to be fired without the risk of an actual projectile. As the production company had sent a firearms specialist home early, responsibility for the guns was then given to the prop assistant, who was unaware of the rule for inspecting all firearms before and after any handling. Therefore, the barrel was not checked for obstructions. When the time came to load it, with the blank rounds, since the bullet from the dummy round was already trapped in the barrel, this caused the .44 Magnum bullet to be fired out of the barrel with virtually the same force as if the gun had been loaded with a live round, and it struck Lee in the ab- in the abdomen, mortally wounding him. So, Crap. many errors there. Um, 
which it's it's one of those things then when you watch the film back obviously i watch the film back and when i see when they do fire the guns i always feel like is that that moment is that that moment no, they, they would have they would have used a, a different take they wouldn't have used the real like least no shot. but do you know what i mean like i was was that the moment it would have happened like do you know what i mean yeah um, it's one of those which yes it's very sad it's very sad um and without going on to more controversial things, obviously, over the last, I think it was this year or last year, something, I won't say similar, but obviously there was a never death on, on in, within filming on a movie set, um, which I think has really changed the industry of how they're going to now, now use guns and missiles and, and all that sort of stuff going forward. Um, more safety precautions put in place, I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, for everyone. But, they were able to finish the film, I believe, from what I've read on other things and stuff, that they shot that scene. Um, yeah, they shot that scene. It was like one of the last ones to be shot or something. So most of the stuff they'd done for Brand with Brandon Lee was already in the bag. It was ready and, you know, it was prepped and, and stuff like that. They'd already had that footage. So there were, I think there was either reshooting scenes or they were getting final scenes done or something, and then that happened. I think so they had like a body double come in for like certain shots and all that. Um, but obviously, they put a remembrance thing for Brandon Lee at the end. Um, but yeah, so obviously on a negative, the loss of Brandon Lee is it's one of those things where you kind of, you have the film and then you get the that fact that Brandon Lee, his life was gone in this film as well. Yeah. At the same time, this film is, is is incredible. Like Brandon Lee's portrayal of the crow is it's so it's so good. Like, do you know what I mean? It's kind of it's it's kind of bittersweet, kind of with Heath Ledger and the Joker, but the Batman film. I should really watch that at some point. Um, do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, I understand what you mean by it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously we that I feel like that does need to be discussed. Obviously, it was discussed then. Um, obviously, of what happened. Um. But yeah, so other than that, um, symbolism. So you you said <laughs> the, there was a lot in this film. There's a lot of biblical symbolism. Yeah, symbolism. <laughs> symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. What okay. What's the first one you noticed? Uh, I don't know. I I really don't know because I think the first time I watched it, it was it was more like this. The first time I watched it, I was younger a lot younger um that wouldn't have been the first thing you were looking for no so like i don't know like i think the first time i watched it i, I watched it because i was like oh, the crow is it's amazing um but yeah i i don't know like what was the first thing that popped for you well the first one is when he um, goes back to his home and um what was it? One second. And um, he's, he's basically going through the bits and pieces and they, he hears the choir start singing and he's, when he's having these flashbacks because he's twisting and turning. He's yeah. like he's fighting like, the darker impulse in himself and like he's got the, the choir to, heavenly choir, to boost it, to bolster him. Right. Yeah. That yeah is... and, and when he gets shot in his hands, he looks at it and laugh, I think he laughs at it and it just heals up. Mm-hmm. It's, very, it's very reminiscent of what people think like the stigmata or the wounds of Christ. Yeah. Even though they were more likely it would have been in his wrist, told uh-huh. him in play. Because with my hand, it would have just ripped through. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. Um, do you... Obviously, I, I don't want to touch on... Uh, obviously, there's a, there, is a, there is a reference to Jesus. Um, a, a very strong one, uh, where the crow makes his joke. Um, what, did you, what did you think of that scene? Oh, a terrible Jesus joke. I didn't write it down. I was going to send it to you. And I thought, yeah, that may be a bit much. The three nails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a bit much. I found it funny, though. I did find it funny. Because it's just, his mind is, is developed a bit more of a human humour. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people make silly jokes, but that's just that was a bit funny to me. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I just feel like that. I don't know. I, I think that was... That was the side of Eric that you don't see that much, like the human side, rather yeah, than the act of like, yeah. Because we only see Eric as we see him in a flashback, kind of like Harry is and stuff, and then we see, then we see him like resurrected as the crow. So you only see him as that that persona, like that character. So when he has a sarcastic side and it goes a bit, he switches and um, keeps himself unbalanced. Is that like his human side kicking in? It's more like a coping mechanism. Oh. Like like... People, people would use humour as a coping mechanism. Yeah. Um, I we've guess. both done. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, there's something about that sarcasm and the fact that he's being shot in, in the scene. He gets shot. And then um, <laughs> it, he's, he's laughing. And it's like, I, he feels like he knows he just can't be beaten. Is that when he's, he's standing on the table in front of the big boss? So there's twice. There's twice when he laughs and he's um, he's, sarcas- he's sarcastic in the way he does things. So the first time is when he walks on in, in on a couple about to get freaky. Oh, that's uh, Darla, which is Sarah's mum. Sarah's mum, yeah. And Yeah, yeah. So he walks in on them. Um, and obviously he, like, he puts a gun over his hand, uh, in front of his hand, and he, he tells him to shoot. So he shoots and then he walks off. And he looks at his hand, sees that he's healing, but then acts like he's not, he's, he's injured, and then shows the hand. And you know when you just think to yourself, how more, like, over the top do you have to be about the fact that you can't be killed at this that, point? That was a little bit joker to me, pretending to be injured and jumping up and laughing about it. Yeah, yeah. But, so, all right, uh, let's, let's get the joke a bit dumb, because I feel like it's such an important thing. Um, especially within this, and then obviously we get Ledger's Joker um, and so on and so on. So obviously this is 94. The Dark Knight doesn't come out to 2010, maybe? Something like that. Eight, two, from two, Nolan's Batman starts in 08, I believe. No, it might be 2008, the Dark Knight. I can't remember. Someone, someone tweet us. Um, I believe it's 2008. Um, so yes, there, there is... I think there's a huge comparison when, when in the next generation from us who have seen the Dark Knight would go back and watch the Crow, they would go, "Ah, oh, it's like the Joker." Yeah, they're, sim- they're they're close. Like the way they act and stuff like that is very very close. Um, what parts of the 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 Crow do you think symbolise or are uh, similarities are to the Joker? Um, that's a fair question. Give me a moment. <laughs> so obviously we've got the face paint. Yeah, the the, the chaotic nature. Mm-hmm. The but the Joker isn't that is a being of um, disorder of chaos. 
while the crow is a being of vengeance and balance. That's the way my mind the, my, the way my mind links it, because he is balancing karmic scales. Yeah. These men are killers, so they're just gonna need to be killed. Um the, the unbalancedness isn't in a way. Joker has always been unbalanced ever since his dip in the vat. Mm-hmm. So both of them have come back from a death experience. Yeah. And come back a little bit more. Their mind's a little more uh, bendy than hu- the rest of humanity's. Yeah. But yeah, I can, yeah, that's that's the main link to them for me. Yeah. So, obviously, as the, I guess, the best portrayal, not in my opinion, um, but obviously people say he's Ledger. Um, Heath Ledger is a joker. Um, but, Mark Hamill. Yeah, I mean, for me, he's Hamill. Hamill or Nicholson. Um, but Ledger's great. Ledger is good. I think the issue is people really put this emphasis on the way Ledger done things. So, and it's kind of, yeah, it, I feel like he did what maybe he watched the crow for them sort of style because Ledger took, does his Joker and throughout the film slowly shows you who he is. It's like you unwrap a little piece of, every time he's on screen, like there's something extra, then something extra. And, and then it really builds to his big reveal with the crow. It's the same thing. So you get Eric at first, growing coming out the grave, uh, coming out the grave, and then you get him. He's broken, and then he puts on the paint, and then he. he do you know what I mean? So he, he, kill, yeah. he kills the first guy, and then it's a build up. Then by the time you get to the end, you realize all what he's about, and and the thing is as well, right on his part where he comes to his death, he goes back to Shelley, like he can't be without Shelley. He needs to be with her. And that's that important part of the way he is. Like you get his big reveal. So they kind of slowly progress and show you it's kind of how to do with the Joker. When when he gets to when he's at the end, when he's at the grave, by that point, literally the crow, the crow mask has washed off in the rain and everything. It's not the crow that dies then. It's Eric. Eric. He dies with Shelley. He goes back, like you said, to being with Shelley. Yeah. I, I love the fact that all through the fight, the fight, his final fight with the boss, which I've got to say, the boss looks like a cross between a pirate and a vampire. It looks like James Franco to me. <laughs> I was thinking more of the white billowy shirt and the black vest. <laughs> but yeah, like go on. Pirate master and, um, well, a certain type of pirate master. And yeah. Vamp- but um, all through that fight, he starts off like with the makeup on again. Mm-hmm. But like near the end of the fight, he's, well, he's all washed off. It's, he really, he's basically, the boss told him, I'm the one responsible. Nothing yeah. gets done this is without my permission. So he knows this is his final fight. He's he's become mortal in a way at this point. Yeah, and it's ah, oh, it's just like his humanity is reassert, reasserting himself. He is doing this himself. His last fight isn't with the power of the crow, mm-hmm. as it is a human fighting for vengeance. When he's fighting, he's like his last battle as a human. It's that it's, that's what we really mean. It means more to me that he's like fighting as as if I say Brandon then, as Eric. Yeah. Yeah, that last fight, especially. So, obviously, you get Eric becoming the crow at the beginning of the film. And at the end yeah. of the film, you get the crow becoming Eric, right? And what I really, really enjoy is, is the final scene of, of obviously the main villain, the, the head of the gang, uh, is death, where he says 30 something, is it 34 hours of pain? 30 hours of pain or something like that. He says, thank you for that. And then he puts his hand on the guy's head and he gives him all of the, 
the pain that Eric's got and then pushing him off the um, top of the building. And at that point, I think that's just, that's just Eric. Like yeah. there's, there's little shades of the crow when obviously he comes back down, gives the police officer the cigarette then he's gone. But I think at that point, that's just, it's, it's basically Eric. Like that's almost human Eric. By the time he's laying back on where Shelley's buried, he's, that, the crow is gone. The yeah, crow yeah. Is, the, he ha, I think he had the power of the crow to become the agent of vengeance. Mm-hmm. He, the way he till, killed Tintin in the beginning was brilliant. Because all yeah. the baddies seem to be killed in like, very specific ways for their kind of character. Uh, but yeah, at the end, like the, all the, say, think of it this way, all the crow's power has been drained from him. Mm-hmm. He's staggering, he's been injured, he's, he can't heal anymore. He's, he gets to the grave and he's, I love the way that he slumps against the grave. It's not a comfortable slump. Not someone who, oh, they fall on the side in the fetal position on the grave. His face was smushed against the gravestone. Yeah. And it's only when the, like, the, the crow comes back for a second. That, um, no, it's not the crow. Shelley comes back to basically guide him to the afterlife. Mm-hmm. He sits up again. Because it's when he, some, sometimes when humans die, we don't land comfortably where we're sitting. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you mean. A little more um, realistic like that he was in an uncomfortable position. Yeah. Do you like uh, Shelley coming back? Well, yeah, I think that's the only person who could come back to collect him. If if they were going to continue off, it's going to be like more movies. Then the crow, he'd look up and the crow would be sitting on the grave and he'd stand up again and pick his coat up and then they'd walk off into a blurred outline or something. Mm-hmm. That like Obviously, then the crow series could continue. Like, your job's not done. You are still needed for vengeance. But Shelley coming back is a, a basically a permanent way to end this. Yeah. Because his, his job is done. He's no longer needed to be an agent of vengeance or balance, whatever you want to call it, karmic mm-hmm. justice. I don't see anyone else who could come back to him, to collect him, to make it yeah. as final. Yeah, 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 exactly that. Um, but in, in uh, obviously, that's which is, I really like the ending. I think, I think it's a great way to end the series. Obviously, with the loss of Brandon Lee, we don't get any more Brandon Lee as the crow. However, there are more crow films. Which I haven't seen. Um, I've seen bits, and I am intrigued to see how they look. But I think a part of me is like Brandon Lee's the crow, and I don't. No matter who tries to reprise and don the makeup and the, the, the I just in the nicest way, it, you can't be Brandon Lee. Um, and obviously, you can put your spin on it, but I don't know. There's a part of me who wants to see it, and another part of me is like. Don't know if it's going to be that good. However, the parts I've seen don't look that bad. So I do want to watch them, but I don't want to watch them, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah. Um, one of my favourite TV shows is Star Trek Voyager. Mm-hmm. And always known that that lady, Kath, Kath, uh, Catherine Mulgrew, I can't pronounce her name properly, my apologies, as Captain Janeway. But originally she wasn't. There was another lady before her. And I've seen clips of her as the captain. I just think this doesn't seem right. What you know, your first experience of a character in that role is that's it that's the character for that role yeah it's like would you imagine anyone else being john luke picard except no exactly exactly yeah 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 i know what you mean um but yeah it's it's a great ending it obviously it makes sense um something we do need to touch on is not only is he there to avenge people or avenge people shall i say um is there he does something in particular um and that is um dala he basically yeah. turns her around. I did like that, and it was. I was. You know, 
obviously we're going to get to what happened. But when he was uh, dealing with her, you know, holding her, making a look in the mirror and showing her arm. Yeah. I was kind of expecting the wounds to heal as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but... I think left as a reminder to her that yeah. this is the part you could have taken. Yeah, that's literally what I was going to say. If the wounds had healed, then it would be, well, where's the symbolic moment? Obviously, he takes the morphine out of her, right? And then if he just heals her, it's just like, well, that's it. Like, he could have just done that and that's it. Like, there was not more to it. But the fact that she's left with the, the thing there, it's like a sign of, look at what you did to yourself. I fixed you. Stop, stop the system, thing of being in your system. You do the rest. Um, I did like the fact that she tried to be a mother to uh, Sarah, uh, Sarah afterwards. She, yeah. she goes to her, she says, oh, um, you know, she tried, tries to give her eggs. <laughs> I love I'm trying to be a mother here. And she goes, oh, I could never do this mother thing. She goes to chuck it in the bin. And Sarah realised, I think in that moment, Sarah realised she has to meet her mum halfway. Halfway, yeah. Definitely. Um, and she likes her eggs over easy, which I had to Google because I have always heard of over easy or sunny side up or whatever. So over easy baffles me because it says you cook the egg and then when the, the white bit, the yolk, the egg white is cooked, you just flip the egg over, right? Doesn't that just and, break the yolk? Well, I don't know. But when I do it, I have a bit of oil in the frying pan and then instead of flipping the egg over, I just splash the oil over the top because it's hot. And yeah. then, and that cooked the egg. So am I, am I eating my eggs over easy? Or <laughs> well, am I not? I have no idea. I have scrambled or fried, just, just normal fried eggs. Yeah, that's how I have my egg fried, but in that way. I, d- I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't like scrambled egg. I like it, but I don't know. It just it falls off the fork when you eat it. And yeah, that's what uh, you... I don't. I don't. You use a spoon for scrambled egg. Well, yeah, normally when I have scrambled egg, I'd have like a bit, a bit of bread and butter next to it. Oh, a bit of bread and butter. Right. So quite sometimes I'd even I'd like scram- a scrambled egg sandwich, put it on the bread, fold it, and eat it. Do you know that scrambled egg? No, I just have it on toast. So yeah, sometimes I'll have toast, but if I have like if I don't have toast, I'll have like bits of bread and butter. I'll put the egg on that and then eat it as a fry, as a scrambled egg sandwich. No, if I'm gonna have an egg sandwich, I'll do a fried egg sandwich. I don't know. I'd, it's like when people put noodles or pop the pot noodle in their bread and then they'll eat. I don't like that either. That's a. <laughs> then you get those weirdos who put uh, milk uh, put water milk. in their cereal. <laughs> I just like milk with their bread. That's. That's special. <laughs> Going with water with cereal. No. Nah, yeah, that's... No. It's not a bit of meat. Anyway. Um, yeah, so she has her eggs over easy, um, which obviously I had to Google, um, which I now know what that is. So I'm assuming I have my eggs that way as well, but just not the same method of how it's done. Um, <laughs> but yeah, feel free to tweet us and tell us how you like your eggs in the morning. Um, and please tell us if you're one of those weirdos who likes water with cereal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if so... <laughs> Make sure you subscribe because we've got extra juicy stuff for you on the podcast because you need something else, more calcium in your system. Um, <laughs> you need something in your system. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, obviously, there's there's a, a very, very iconic moment for me in this film, which is um, the flamed version of The Crow, which... Uh, he squares it on the ground. Yeah, which very clever, by the way. He squirts it for a few seconds until there's a huge outline of a crow. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's super crow powers, isn't it? It's a... <laughs> oh, so he can see through crow eyes, hear through its ears, and can somehow, when he's sprinkling uh, it around, not in a particularly well pattern, he somehow yeah. reached a, a parking lot to make a giant crow symbol. 
Apparently so. Um, Some weird ass powers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it, it's great. And I, as, I mean, let's get on to the final part, I guess, of where we're talking about it. Can um, I jump in then before you do on. your final? The, I start at one point. He started quoting Edgar Allan Poe's "The Raven." Yes, which I thought was I, I love the way they slipped that in because his his eyes when he was doing it, it very like very Gowron eyes, if you know what I mean. There's only white round them. It's like very starey eyes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was which really is, so that's your favorite poem, isn't it? That is my ultimate favourite poem. Yeah, and if you want to know more about uh, Chrissy's favourite poem and why it's his favourite poem, which is a fantastic segue, by the way, which I'm actually quite impressed with, go back and listen to when we've done the Simpsons vintage collection for Halloween, because that is spoken about in great detail for about 10 minutes, because I they do the Raven. I love the poem. No, they do, they do the Raven poem in the Simpsons vintage collection that we watched. Um, yeah. I think it's the first Treehouse Horrors. Um Obviously, we di- dissect all that and, and so much more. Chris has a, a brainwave of why the corridors are so long and, and so much more, which is a fantastic <laughs> conversation. So if you do want to know more about why it's Chris's favourite um, poem and why he likes it so much, go and check that out. Um, on to the, the last bit I was about to say, just before you jumped in. Uh, obviously, you spoke a little bit on it, though. Um, the death of all the people that basically he was avenging. Yes, yeah. they died in specific ways. Do you think there's a reason they died in a specific way? Well, Tintin was the knife wielder. From what yep. we saw, his weapon was a knife. So, live by the sword, die by the sword. Yep. Uh, fun, fun boy, or fun time boy, whatever his name was, clearly a drug user. Mm-hmm. So he got. I know he, they technically like choked in his blood from what Lieutenant, the big boss, said. But uh, I don't know. I think it's more like more likely to be an overdose because how many needles were in his bloody chest? Yeah, yeah. Um, you had the what was the guy in the car's name? I can't. I can't remember. T Bird. T. Yep. Yep. Yeah. T Bird. I don't know. I suppose he drove them. Maybe drove them places. He was like the boss of that little group, though. Mm-hmm. But he was few. <laughs> oh, T Bird got a breakdown in the car when he was being tied up to be killed. Yeah. But yeah, he was um basically blown up, and then the car was plunged into the river and um that that last guy i felt i felt kind of sorry for the last guy he killed not the big boss the um what's his name go down again is that t-birds the, the 1973 car in it yeah t-bird is the other guy and there's the guy that he was t-bird was with before eric took him trying mm-hmm. to figure out his name uh shank or skank something like that yeah, let's go. With, let's go with Skank because I think it was Skank. He um, when he when they have flashbacks to show him attacking Shelley, he speaks and sounds normal. Mm-hmm. But in the late in this guy's being hunted, he, honestly, he sounds a little impaired. Yeah, like he like he's, he's someone who's has a disability who's been pulled along by this gang. He kind of he's just there, isn't he? Yeah. Almost like their mascot, some someone willing to be like basically devoted to T Bird. Because how many other gang members would go out of their way to follow T Bird's car after all this? They'd probably just go home and oh, T Bird will call me when he wants to sign or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Um, I've got some info, input, some information. If you're um, like some there, yeah, some information about stuff on set. Um, obviously, what would you like to talk about as well? Um, okay. So. 
so one thing you may have recognized so top dollars nightclub um you know the, the abandoned cement factory yeah yeah it was also used for the filming location for shredder and his foot clangs hideout in the first teenage uh, ninja turtle film i kind of did think it looked very familiar to me yeah yeah obviously if you want to listen to that we've also done that as well uh, that was one of the very very first uh episodes that we've done in the ter- first three or four um yeah, I think I think so. Um, have a guess. I know you're not greatest with um, actors' names, but have a guess of two people that were considered. There were two people that turned down the role for to play Eric. Okay, uh, who would have been big back then? I mean, come on, Matt. I was I was, well, I was eight years old when this came out. <laughs> All right. Um, so one of them was River Phoenix. That makes sense, given how popular it was at the time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Christian Slater was the other one. Really? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to turn it down, then. I don't see him fitting in the role. See, that's the thing. Now we've seen <clears throat> this yeah. guy in the role, seeing someone else do it, be like, ah, okay, it's not that good. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, what one I think would have been a real different film, but James O'Barr wanted Johnny Depp as Eric. That would have been weird. But, but it is the was... kind of thing that Depp would have done back then. Yeah, I can see it because this is I'm I'm thinking of modern day Depp. But if you go back to his early work, he has that slimmer figure in the gold, almost gaunt like face. Yeah. Um, that would have worked well with the Draven per- the Eric Draven personality. Yeah. Really would have. Um I'm just trying to find it. What's something to do with um Brandon Lee's birthday? Let me find So Brandon Lee celebrated his 28th birthday on a set of Bro in 1994. He was given a cake and ice cream, which he could not partake in because he was on a strict diet and couldn't because of the role that he was in. So he was given a birthday cake but couldn't eat it. Oh, that's um, a nasty thing to do to someone. But yeah, I mean, it showed how dedicated did he was it? to the role. You know, um, did his sorry? Did, did his did his not his role? His outfit change because in the beginning. He puts the, he's got the shoes, the leather trousers, the top, and the coat. Mm-hmm. At the end, it's like he's put tape around himself. At the beginning, he's got he gets stuff from the dumpster, doesn't he? So he just puts stuff the off on the dumpster. The dumpster, and the because uh, he strips off in the alleyway for some reason. Mm-hmm. He wears he's because the obviously the back of the I did like the fact they kept the back of the shirt ripped open. Yeah, because you can't put a full shirt around the corpse because the arms don't work. So they they rip it and they slide the arms into place. Yeah, in fact, they kept that little bit in. I did like. The um, he he got his shoes from the dumpster. The crow was pecking at them. The crow led him to his items, mm-hmm. but then got most of the rest of the stuff from his apartment. Yeah, but his his t shirt was just a t shirt until like near the end. It looked like he had a, a black tape wrapped around his middle. So I think the idea was he had like an under t shirt and his top, oh. like like an Under Armour sort of thing. Obviously, it wasn't Under Armour back then. Um. And then I think maybe the way I look at it as the shirt was that ripped, that what we're looking at is the ripped shirt and the underarm underneath. It okay. looked like a leather. When I first watched it, when I was younger, I thought it was in like a full leather suit. Um, like because of the style and the way it was done. Obviously, it's the coat, um, which obviously he steals the coat, um, which, you know, well, you know, the guy deserved it, I guess. <laughs> he well, killed he didn't him. need it anymore. No, exactly. Um, obviously, let's touch on the makeup quickly before we finish. Um, pure white face, black smile, kind of 
half smile um and then lines kind of like a clown's kind of eyes up and down and like little peaks did you like it creepy it's weird very creepy but yeah it's just <laughs> when he put it on the first time thinking what's leading you to smother white makeup on your face because it, it would link to the mask he was showing. I suppose that could have linked to his mind. He picked up the mask and remembered trying to scare Shelley with it. Mm-hmm. Mind, fear, vengeance. Yeah. But I did like it. It looked good. It looked good. It's just, it's a bit like Clark Kent's glasses for me. How did no one realise it was him under there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. With white face paint, you're going to know it's me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Like, it's, that's one of those things, isn't it? It's same as, I don't know. Um, I, I guess people, how people don't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman when they have the same sort of voice, the same sort of chiseled look. Um, do you know what I mean? It's, it's the same thing, especially. Yeah, what it does is cop, get rid of this bit up here and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Um, if it was Tom Cruise playing Batman, he would be screwed because he's got such an identical tooth in the middle. Well, and the fact um... <laughs> And he's very, yeah, he's short. Um, <laughs> it's, it'd be more of a Robin. If not, if they took Nightwing on as a singles film, oh, it'd be a good oh, Nightwing. Thank you. Um, a 1960s Robin outfit with Tom Cruise. Thank oh, you. For no, that. I was I wasn't thinking of it as that way anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the the look of the crow for me is fantastic. It's probably one of my favourite superhero films, even though it's not a superhero. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but, but it's part of the genre. Yeah, it comes. It falls in that that genre. Um, it, you know what it really does though it makes me want to get the comic books and the graphic novels and really read them to see what else they do with the, obviously the crow and the story of Eric and stuff um, but I absolutely loved it um, have you got any more notes anything you want to touch on I know you took a lot of notes but we tend to take I, a lot I of always notes. take too many notes just to be on the safe side I, it took me 45 minutes to watch 20 minutes of the movie and then someone called me, so I was stuck. I'm not stuck, but I was like, talking to them for another 45 minutes. So I started watching around six. I didn't finish till half nine. <laughs> okay. Um, Eric says, Cop Copy's still alive. Oh, the, the one I actually liked. Uh, when Eric gives the boss the memories. Yeah. And Cop falls back, or gets pushed backwards onto the gargoyle. Mm-hmm. The blood shoots out of the gargoyle's mouth. Yeah, yeah. That was a, re- a really cool scene. I really liked Great, that. isn't it? Very good. Um, all right, do you want to go on to ratings? Yep, all right. So, before we go into obviously, before we do the ratings, um, again, there's a couple of ways you can support the podcast. So, go and follow us on all of our social media pages. Um, if you are a first time listener, subscribe to the podcast because then you can be up to date with when we've got another episode coming out. I mean, we have literally dropped one, two, three, uh, four. This will be the fourth episode in about, in about a matter of under a month. Um, obviously, we took a little break, but obviously, if you were here on the very first step, one of the, one of the earlier episodes, um, me and Chris had to kind of figure some stuff out, um, like plan wires and all that sort of stuff. Not only that, but we have also started a brand, brand, brand new series called A Conversation with AYU, where we talk to people from the industry or the entertainment industry and basically speak to them for about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, and find out about them, what they do, how they like their tea, how they like their eggs uh, sunny side up or over easy. Um, but there's so much more that we talk about with celebrities and all that sort of stuff, which is fun to do. Um, it's very informative. If you have a certain person that you want us to try and get on, tweet us, let us know, tweet them, tell them what we do, and then see if we can make it happen. Um, let's get into rating. Do you want to go right. first or do you want me to go first? I'll go first this time. Okay. Seven and a half. Wow. Okay. Which and is, reasons? 
Well, I like it's a bit higher for me. Seven is usually one of my higher reaching mm-hmm. numbers. I, I don't like going too high with my ratings because if I call something a ten and I find something later that I think is even better, I'll, oh, well, you I can't. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. As to why, I really enjoyed this movie. I was actually the, the humor parts he brings to it as well. The little crazy when he goes off on a tangent, kind of like Dark us. us. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy them. The 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 corny. Would you call it CGI design of some of the stuff? Uh, it's early CGI, isn't it? Very yeah. early CGI. Sometimes when the crow's flying, like it does the, it's almost like a game cutscene where it's flying through the city. Yeah. You can almost see the outline where along the bird's edge, like where it comes from something else. Mm-hmm. I, I found that so corny that I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Very 90s computer cutscene. Right, isn't it? And the fire, like I mentioned, I mentioned earlier on, the fire on the building was just silly, which I thought was brilliant as well. Uh, yeah, the characters, uh, element, even the the stars. Can you remember what the boss's name was? Um, oh, we, we never touched on his sister. That was a creepy relationship. Yeah, it was a bit strange. Yeah, um, hang on, let me get. I felt like there was a whole mystic element that was missed out of it because she's talking about how she, they, they when they took the eyes of some of the people. They burnt them, and he I think he drank them or something. Top dollar. Really? Oh, I guess, well, we had Fun Boy and Tintin, so why not top dollar? Mm-hmm. All right, so seven, say 7.5. Yep, 7.5 is what I'm okay. going for. Um, I'll go eight. <gasps> That's rather high. I just love this film, man. There's, there's certain films that you can watch, and you know what, and you think, Obviously, I don't want to rehash what I've already said, but it's a superhero superhero film minus the over-the-top CGI and crap that we don't need, right? Yeah. It's to the point. It's an hour and 40 minutes. It's not too long. It keeps our attention. Within 10 minutes, the film is in. It's going. It's action. You know what's going on. You can't argue that. Like It's, it's a fantastic way to just... You get your attention, bang, film starts. The minute After 10, 15 minutes, you're in the film. Like it's The, the whole thing is the build-up to the end. It doesn't take too long. The pe- like they were perfectly picked. The characters were per- the actors were picked perfectly for who it was. Brandon Lee, fantastic in the role. Um, yeah, makeup's great. You get nineties grunge music. You get a grainy effect. It's gritty. What more do you want? It, it sums well, up the nineties in one way. That's it. I like the fact that one of his one of the, well, something Eric says is it can't rain all the time. Yeah, and when at the end, when all the vengeance is done, it's it's, it's the only time the movie actually stops, stops raining. raining. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just I don't know. I just, I just love the film. It's it's so good. It's one of those. I think I like it that much that I don't know if I could word how how much I like it without just saying the same sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, for me, it's an eight. I could push it to an eight point five if if I watched it on on Devil's Night thirtieth of um, October. I think that'd be like. Perfect to watch that film. Um, but yeah, like I really enjoyed it. Um, sounds like you really enjoyed it, which is really always did. good. Um, yeah, man. So like this part one of our Halloween special is done. And it wasn't that I guess it wasn't a Halloween film, but it kind of was. Um, it kind of falls in that category. Um so I had a Halloween film as um as diehard as a Christmas film. Yeah, so people can argue that. It just went. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We got you. Trying to sound husky. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm already husky. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, man, I'm looking forward to what we do next. Obviously, we've done a lot. I don't want to say a lighter Halloween film. We've done a Halloween film that's not as scary. Like, it's just a lighthearted film based on Halloween. 
you know, we need to get darker. So uh, obviously we've got another Halloween film to come. Um, as long as we stay away from my triggers, I'm okay with that. All right, well, I, I really, I'll say it on air because we're not going to do it. I really want you to do Dead Silence, but I know you're not going to do that. I'm going to have to research what that is because I'm not entirely sure. Stay on there. <coughs> I'm yeah. still here. Let me just, I'll get a picture up and we'll get your, we'll get your reaction. Uh, that's always fun on this pod. Um, I give you a reaction, something, you react to it, and no one can actually hear it. People can hear it, but they can't see it, which is... Well, the, the one reaction you like to talk about the most is when Chucky appeared in uh, Player One. <laughs> yeah, and okay. Jumped so, out my seat into your lap. I just don't this like is that the picture for Dead Silence. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, no. <laughs> um, and followed no, by that's, a second. That's, no, no, just don't. You know what I'm... No, um, just wrong. Any anything that looks like that needs to be an automatic. Get the heck out. <laughs> um, so, show me pictures of my back's just gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, we'll pick. We will pick. We'll pick something that's uh, good for me and good for Chris. If you do want to get into the Halloween spirit, though, go back and listen to other ones that we've done because obviously we've done quite a few. And um, we done. Uh, it wasn't a Halloween film, but Zombievers, if you like that, uh, uh. Hellfest, <laughs> which was fantastic. That was great. That was really good. Um, and a few more. Like we've done a few. We've done Halloween. We've done a vintage collection one uh, for The Simpsons. So if you do like that sort of stuff, go back and listen to them before you listen to the next one, obviously, which is coming out in a couple of weeks' time. Um, obviously, we're going to drop that on Halloween. And we may have a scary Halloween conversation. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. Um, I think to end it, we need to do our best crow noise sound effect. Uh, so do you want to go first? Or do you want me no, to? i see you. Okay. It's a... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right three two one <laughs>